This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. This is this one now. Now we're here. Th- three in one day. Two. You. Three. Hello. This is my favorite murder. The mini-sode. Welcome. Hi. How are you? Hi. We're here to tell you your own stories. Yeah. How do you feel about that? You like it, right? You love hearing your own voice coming out of our mouths. Why else would you have clicked the little arrow forward button if you didn't love it? That's very weird. What are you doing? Hi. <laughs> are, you, are you doing okay? Hi. We're with you. But yeah. at the same time, we'd love for you to just take a look in the mirror right yeah. now and tell us what is going on. Say your name out loud. One, two, three. Marie. Georgia. Oh. <laughs> Marie? Okay. I was doing some role playing. You were doing someone else. I was doing me. It's fun. This is how it is. It's fun. It's wild. It's crazy. Here we go. Are you ready? Go. So subject line of story number one is librarian story. Yes. And then I'm going to stop reading because it's just a giveaway of what the thing okay. is. Hey, MF- MFN crew. Nuh-uh. Yes. MFN. Uh-oh. Like you're a librarian? My favorite nerd. Er, yep. You asked for librarian stories in Minnesota 119. So here is my story from when I worked as a library assistant during undergrad. I worked in this library from 18 to 22. And as one of the student assistants, I was tasked with manning the library alone from 6 p.m. until closing at midnight. No, no. When no, was this? No. 1975? <laughs> Who would do that? Mm-mm. Now, this was a small campus in a small town. And despite the fact that I was manning the desk alone all night, I felt very safe in the well-lit library. Incorrect. Yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> Your instincts are wrong on that one. Light means nothing. Light means nothing. Um, after my shift ended, I would wait for security to walk up, lock up the library, and they would offer me a walk back to the dorms. When I first took the job, sometimes I took them up on it. Other times I would refuse and headed back by myself. You're being polite. No, it's fine. It's too far. <laughs> Take the walk. Yes. But also make sure the security guard isn't a psychopath too. Don't go down that path all the way. There has to be trust. Okay. Okay. And also at this point, if you went to that school and you worked there, probably maybe would have known that security guard or had a familiarity. But okay. Small town, small campus. Let's do it. This is not Sac State. The world isn't Sac State, Georgia, which is what you always think. (laughs) I always think the world's Sac State and I'm always proven wrong. (laughs) Okay. 
Uh, she then ends that paragraph by saying, this story pl- takes place while I was 18. So basically saying, yeah. I realize. Okay. Okay. So now, uh, now this was the type of liberal arts college where you could know the face, if not the name of everyone who attended. Oh, that's probably why I said that to you. Cause I pre-read this. Oh, right. Um, but not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but even if it wasn't, it would be clear that this one guy didn't belong. Mm-hmm. The other library assistants called him movie guy because he was always trying to talk about the movie script he was writing uh, or filming. Uh, Run the fuck away. Uh, and that's not a personal safety issue. That's a boredom issue. <laughs> As someone who's lived in Los Angeles for 20 years, yeah. no one wants to hear about your idea you haven't done. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I've had a lot of coffee. He was an older local man, rail thin with an odd smell. That means something. Odd smells? Yes. Yeah. It means something. You're, you're not self-aware. Yes. And you smell. You're not paying attention to the right things. Right. And you smell. <laughs> His mannerism spoke of someone either doing drugs or suffering from some mental health problems. The guys who worked late at night called him harmless and entertaining. Uh-huh. But he set off lots of alarm bells for me. For example, once he stood at the desk and told me in detail about a film he was working on where a young woman's body parentheses with hair like mine he made sure to point out washed up on the bank of a river and proceeded to describe exactly how he would want the body to look and how he would film it oh my god how he would have his protagonist cradle the body and caress her face this quite creepy description had me letting security walk me to the dorm while I informed them about Movie Guy. Security didn't seem that concerned, of course course not, but told me that I could always call and that, quote, it would only take five minutes for them to sprint across campus to me if there was a problem, Uh end quote, as if a lot couldn't happen in five minutes. Right. Uh, That's in the email. Now, the library layout was uh, such that there was a large desk in the front and behind that was an enclosed employee only room where I would sometimes have to work on processing new books. (laughs) Sorry, I'm losing it. On this particular night, the movie guy had caught me several times as I made my rounds through the library. He would try to talk to me about his creepy movie and I would make an excuse to move to another part of the library to help someone or I would escape into the employee only section. Still, every hour I would have to come out of that area and do a lap at the library. After one of these laps, I was just sitting down in the employee only area when I heard a sound behind me. I turned around and there was movie guy moving quickly into the employee only room and in effect boxing me in. I can only assume it was the look on my face of pure fear and shock, along with the fact that I quickly grabbed the security phone that caused him to sheepishly stop, stumble over his words, saying something about a script and then back out of the employee only area. I gripped the phone as I watched him go back to his normal table and tried not to completely lose it. Shaking, I had to call security and they handled escorting him out of the library and off campus. I always let security walk me to the dorm after that. And a few days later, I was informed that he had been banned from campus because I wasn't the only person he was freaking out. Part of me has always felt bad because maybe he was just a lonely, crazy person who meant no harm and just wanted a friend. More of me, however, is like, fuck that guy and fuck my coworkers for making me think I was wrong in being creeped out by him. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. I love your podcast and all the others on the Exactly Right Network. (laughs) Keep up all the good work you guys both do. And thank you for my new favorite catchphrase you introduced me to. Quote, if you don't make enough of your own neurotransmitters, store-bought is fine. <laughs> SSDGM, Emily. That's amazing. I'd like to go ahead and say that we didn't make that one up, but we've said it. So I don't want to take 
full responsibility. Oh, for the that. neurotransmitters yeah. quote. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the beginning of that paragraph bothered me. Part of me has always felt bad because maybe he was just a lonely, crazy person because there is a difference. There are gradations of that. And you know the difference. Right. And the difference is that someone doesn't look you in the eye and describe a dead body that looks like you washing up. And you had plenty of reasons yes. above and beyond yeah. to be like, I want this guy out of here. Right. And even if you're not totally sure, you there's only one way to find out. And that's that by they, being attacked. Exactly. So yes. you're allowed to follow your instincts. And if it was other women who were threatened by him as well, then you're, you know, you're correct. Yes. You're, and it must be satisfying because ultimately she was like, Oh yeah, not only it wasn't my little petty problem. Yeah. He's banned from campus. It's just so annoying when people are like, he's harmless. And it's like, you're a dude. He can't attack you the way he can attack us. Yeah. That's, you don't, don't ask dudes. They don't know. Yeah. They're not having the same experience. And men don't tell women people are harmless when they're threatened by them. Right. You're, especially your weird friends. Okay. <laughs> Here's one called my sister, the prison librarian. Okay. Hey, oh, my sister's first job after earning her master's degree in library science was as the head librarian at a maximum security prison. Shit. And she wrote, as you do. As you do. Of course, this prison housed the worst of the worst of society. But after months of searching for a job and the, to the horror of my parents, she decided to go for it. We could we could literally spend hours talking about the oddities of this job and the characters that my sister encountered on a daily basis. My work stories always paled in comparison to what she brought to the table at family functions. <laughs> While I complained about people who couldn't get to work on time, she talked about sending guys to, quote, segregation for threatening to find her on Facebook after they got out oh. or for telling everyone that she was sleeping with her library clerk, also a prisoner. <laughs> One day, while on her way back to her library, she was passing through a stairwell that is accessible to both prisoners and staff. To avoid any confrontation, a guard is posted to lock and unlock the doors to the stairwell, allowing for safe passage for the staff. When my sister got to the bottom of the stairwell, she found that the exit door was locked. When she looked up at the guard station, it appeared empty. Ugh. After a brief time debating what to do, she heard the door at the top of the stairs open and footsteps starting to come down. Aside from this being a generally frightening situation, at this particular time, it was known that a gang leader was very upset with my sister. And it <sighs> says, insert obvious joke here, overdue books, perhaps. <laughs> and she knew that... Uh, it's such an obvious joke. <laughs> and she knew that if a member of that gang were to appear on those stairs, it was, quote, not going to be good, as she puts it. Mm-hmm. When the person came to the landing leading down to where my sister stood, she realized that he was a prisoner, but not a gang member. He explained that he was on his way to Bible study and proceeded to talk to her about God as she nonchalantly attempted to catch the attention of the guard who had returned to his post and had unknowingly let a prisoner into the stairwell without realizing oh, that no. she was waiting at the bottom. Uh. Thankfully, the guard quickly noticed her standing there and buzzed her through the door. My sister made a habit out of looking up the offenders she encountered in the prison's database. She did this because many of the men that came to the library were friendly. Only the, quote, good ones with privileges were allowed to actually enter the library. And some of the offenders were actually considered part of her staff and worked with her every day. Checking their history in the database helped her to keep an emotional distance between herself and these men who seemed friendly despite the horrendous things they had done to earn their spot in the prison. Mm -hmm. When my sister returned from her encounter uh, in the stairwell, she researched the man she had been trapped with there, in all caps, he had been previously charged with raping a man in a fucking stairwell. No. Yeah. 
Oh my fucking God. Needless to say, the warden flipped his lid and the stairwell guard got in some kind of trouble. Can't remember now. My sister, shaken up or undeterred, continued to work there for another year before accepting a position at a much safer, albeit much more boring, research library. (laughs) (laughs) Believe it or not, she misses her prison gig, as it did afford her the opportunity to take part in the rehabilitation that takes place behind bars. She left some disappointed offenders who hadn't had a literary advocate on their side in quite some time. They even drew her a giant farewell card, complete with Disney characters, and signed with their names and prisoner ID numbers. She has some of their artwork hanging in her office today. Anyways, you guys are great and make my commute worth it. Stay sexy and don't get caught in a stairwell with a rapist, Natalie. Jesus. What a reveal. Like, it's later. Yeah. It's not even, like, as it happens. Yeah. It's so much later and still so scary. It would have been bad enough that, that she had gotten caught in there with a prisoner. Everything ended up fine. But that specific little detail is just insane. Because also then then the first thing I think is, does that prisoner stand by that door and wait? Because he Ooh, fucking loves stairwells so much. Dude, maybe. I mean, like, how you? it's probably not that easy for, like, a prisoner just to slip by. Right, at that, that exact way. moment. Yeah. It's like he has a stairwell fetish. <laughs> so horrifying. <laughs> There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye if you're like me you're always looking for a story to dive into whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve the key to getting hooked is the details i need rich visuals and intricate storylines and june's journey has that and more june's journey is a mobile mystery game that follows june parker a daring young woman on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder this is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as june herself Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye.
Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made-in, made-in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Uh, the subject line of this is, I didn't fuck politeness and almost paid the price. Lighthearted. Okay. Okay. Hey, MFM fam. This was one of the scariest things that has ever happened to me, but people really seem to love the story, so I thought you guys would like it too. <laughs> Thank you. One night, I was waiting for my friend to get out of her shift at the mall. The parking lot had cleared out, and I was waiting in my car by the secret side entrance that mm. employees use. Mm-mm. Out of nowhere, a middle-aged white guy started walking towards my car. Since I was parked by the sidewalk, I assumed he was just going to walk right by, but still had that feeling of, quote, lock your doors. Mm -hmm. Well, I was worried about what this random-ass stranger thought of me by hearing me auto-lock my doors. I get it. Yes, I get the same thing. To my horror, homeboy opens the door (gasps) and tries to get the fuck in. I thought to myself, oh, hell no, motherfucker is going to work for this bitch. No. Oh, oh, hell no. Motherfucker's going to work for this bitch. Got it. Got it. Got, got it. it. <laughs> and I put my car in drive and started driving with him <gasps> half in and out of the car. So he was crab walking quickly with one yes. leg in and one leg out. Yes. I was going to gun it when he screamed, equally terrified. Wrong car. Wrong car. <laughs> I could tell he was genuine, so I stopped my car, and we both apologized profusely. Can you imagine what he was thinking? He was just thinking his sweet wife, Debbie, is coming to pick him up from his trip to the mall. And before he can even say hi or see who's in the car, you're trying to survive having your legs run over. Well, anyways, he went back to the curb to wait for his ride, and I continued to wait for my friend. And every once in a while, we would make sharp all caps, painful eye contact with each other. Oh, God. Both thinking we were going to die. I'm still kind of proud that I had that reaction. I always thought if I was in that situation, I would just squeeze my boobs and scream. (laughs) Anyway, stay sexy. Always lock your car doors, if anything, to avoid an awkward-ass situation. Mariah. Amazing, Mariah. You should be proud of yourself. I think so, too. Yeah. I mean, like, sorry, but you got in. Yeah, that's a split-second decision, and you fucking... Now you... Now you kind of know going forward that you can trust yourself and your instincts if something happens. Yes. Which is a really great feeling, I think. For sure. Also, what are the odds that th- she's driving the car that he knows to get into? Yeah. No, it's it's bananas. I've done something similar without those consequences. 
because oh. you thought you were getting into a lift? Yeah. Yeah. Which now, you know, they're saying like there's this uh, along a lot of campuses, they're saying that you have to make sure, like check the license plate number before you get in because women have been kidnapped or like there's people who purposely wait near a lift. So someone gets in. Yes. They kidnap them. They just think, yeah. Well, also, I don't, that's how I identify my lift is, is, the, is the license plate. Yeah. Usually. Let's just all make sure we do that every time. Okay. It's, we're all fine. Okay. St. Louis VIP hometown. Hi, Karen, Georgia, Stephen, and Pets. It was nice meeting you at the St. Louis show tonight. I was writing to tell you about the hometown murder that I wanted to tell on stage. I went to college at a weird, small, liberal arts school called Truman State University. It's located in rural Kirksville, Missouri. Missouri? Missouri. (laughs) And all that the town really has to offer is meth heads and a hy-vee. I don't know what a hy-vee is. I'm guessing it's some kind of grocery store. H-Y-V-E-E. It's probably some... You know, one of those. It's a chain we don't know. Yeah. Since there was nothing to do in this town, the townspeople always got into all sorts of shenanigans. Well, back in 2013, some crazy shit happened. One night, police responded to a report of a vehicle on fire. Upon arrival, they noticed that there were also two apartment buildings down the road. When they went, uh, I think, on fire. Mm -hmm. When they went to check out the apartment fires, a few witnesses were standing outside of the building and objects were being launched at them. The police took a closer look at these objects, only to realize that they were human arms. Oh, I remember. Oh, my God. That girl that walked away and goes, this is what I was going to. Okay, go ahead. That's right. Human fucking arms. They got the fire under control and arrested the guy who was throwing the arms. It turns out they had murdered some dude the day before because he thought the dude did something wrong to his son. Since he didn't know what to do with the body and was still full of rage about this son bullshit, he decided that the best thing to do would be to dismember the body and set it on fire in his apartment. For some reason, he decided to keep the arms as weapons? Who knows? Perhaps even crazier than that, than the fact that he threw arms is that he pleaded not guilty. Oh, dude. Pled not guilty. Like, what the fuck? He ended up with a bunch of charges anyway, one being first degree murder. I assume he's currently in prison. That's why you don't do math, kids. Yeah. Thanks for an awesome show. My life has improved so much since MFM came into my life. Stay sexy and do... Sorry. Stay sage and do God's mission. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, P.S. I tried to bring you a gooey butter cake, but the bakery was sold out. Oh. Guys, if you ever go to St. Louis, get a gooey butter cake. They're fucking great. It's so crazy. It's like eating cookie dough and butter. The subject line of this one is grandma finds treasure after grandpa death. Oh, yay. Hey, all. A few years ago, my husband's grandpa died, and his grandma, being an older lady on a fixed income, was planning on selling his grandpa's guns for some extra money. She had she has no business operating or owning a gun, so smart move. Yeah. Grandpa kept his guns in a gun safe, um, but she had no idea where the key was. She asked my husband and me to come help look for it. She had looked in all the obvious places, so we started searching in the less obvious. After scouring the house, my husband started looking through grandpa's closet. In a couple of the coats and pant pockets, he found fistfuls of small bills that totaled to about $200. Wow. His grandma was stoked, but we kept searching for the key. We finally found it in one of his shoes in the back of the closet. Love it. That's such a smart place that, like, then you have to tell someone you put it there. Yes. And you have to remember you put (laughs) it there. After the hard-earned search, we opened the safe and started inventorying the contents. At some point, my husband noticed the shotgun was next to the shotgun case. Um which in parentheses looks like a shotgun shaped duffel bag and the case was oddly lumpy Mm -mm. he unzipped it 
and a pile of small bills came <gasps> falling out. The money totaled just over $12,000. Holy uh, shit! Mostly in ones and fives. Oh my God, Grandpa. From the small denominations, we were able to piece together their origin. Grandma is an avid slot player. They used to go to the casino regularly, withdraw some cash, split it, and go to their separate ways to play. Grandma thought Grandpa was bad luck, and he wasn't allowed to play near her. <laughs> oh, that makes me sad. <laughs> um, oh instead God. of gambling the money every time he would literally he would pocket it likely where all the cash in his coat came from mm -hmm. and move it to the gun safe for a rainy day oh. turns out when he claimed to always be losing he was just being smart and saving oh. grandma was relieved to have the money as she was stressing out about his funeral I'll never forget the image of a pile of money on her kitchen counter and her cursing and thanking him in the same breath stay sexy and don't assume grandpa is bad luck Nicole oh I'm gonna cry I love it so much. That's like, it's like sweet and sad and smart and... And to me, it's the romantic, it's the most romantic thing, which is someone thinking about you. Yeah. Not like, I'm thinking about you and trying to get all this credit, but just doing it like in the way that actually matters. Am I wrong that that sounds like something Vince would do? Oh, absolutely. Right? That's... Yes. Okay. Vince is the person that just like, yes, he's the take care of it big picture guy. Yeah, he like he has me sit at Buffalo while I fucking blast through a bunch of money and he goes and plays Okay, good night. <laughs> um Okay, this one's called Okay, here's a library hometown story. It starts Y'all. I heard you call for librarian stories on the most recent minisode, and even if you don't read mine, I'm stoked to hear other stories, cause let me tell you, librarians see some shit. I bet. I have worked as a children's librarian for five years now in a small town in West Tennessee, and I've dealt with domestic abuse victims, creepy corner masturbators, vague sexual harassment, and teenagers trying to watch porn. But the most scary event happened less than a year after I started working there as a fresh college grad. There's a bank right behind the library, and the staff driveway butts up to the drive through teller window. One morning, I came to work to see cops swarming the parking lot. I went inside and found my assistant director visibly shaken and near tears as she tells me that Janice, one of the consultants at the bank, had been shot in an attempted robbery. Ugh. The perp had apparently been staking out the bank from across the street and had followed Janice home one evening to her house that was less than a block from the bank. Ugh. He had hidden her garage and car overnight, and when she got into, to drive to work that morning... He held her at gunpoint and first forced her to open the vaults. Whoa. This is why, and this is not, it's because I'm fucking anxious, but I'm going to have a garage for the first time in my life when we move into our new house. And I'm like thinking of all the ways to like make sure no one follows me in there when I go. Don't get a job at a bank. Okay. Great. Set all, Period. Everything settled. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'm going to have to call my manager and, and quit. Hello, Bank of America. I've made a mistake. <laughs> Unfortunately, the vaults have two person have a two person security measure on them, and Janice couldn't open them alone. So he shot her three times and busted out an office window and took off running up Main Street. A crossing guard who worked the corner by the bank and library saw him and alerted police, and he was apprehended less than a mile from the bank. Janice was life flighted to Memphis and survived. Oh my God! Oh my God! Because one of the bullets had glanced off the large piece of jewelry she had been wearing. Yes. What's up, brooches? Yes, brooches. Brooches. Hey. Yeah, y'all, brooches. Minimizing injury to an extent. 
When we saw the photos of the perpetrator on the news, we realized that he had been at the library all that week and had at one point gotten into a fight over the phone while using our computers and had been belligerent with staff had asked him to keep his voice down and stop swearing because this is a library, gosh darn it. (laughs) He was tried in federal court, pled guilty and was sentenced to 37 years in prison. Wow. Janice recovered and retired a year later and continues to be an active part of our community through volunteer work. Thankfully, nothing else of that caliber has happened since then. And since my director is a former parole officer, we are always on high alert for suspicious behavior while still trying to provide fair service and open access to (laughs) library materials, as librarians do. Yeah. SSTGM, Sarah the Library Girl. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, great library stories. And yeah, hell yeah, Janice, fucking living through that shit. Always wear a brooch. Yeah. (laughs) Or or a piece of jewelry. Yeah. Um, awesome. Thank you so much, you guys, for sending those stories in. Send any and all stories that you have that you like to tell at parties that you want to tell at parties, but you think people are going to think you're weird. That's good. Tell the story that your friends make you tell that you think is inappropriate, but your friends are like, no, 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 tell, tell it, it again. Anyway. And then yes. you say something and they're like, but you didn't include the part that whatever. Yes. Or the ones that you want to tell other people, but you're embarrassed to. Yeah. Gross, gross ones are fine. Gross ones are great. Look, one time I got stopped at fucking TSA. Go, should I tell this? Yes. Look, I shouldn't have started this. I had an enema in my bag and I totally forgot about it. And I got stopped at TSA and they were like, ma'am, what is this? And then I was like, oh my God, please don't take that out of my bag. And then she held it up for Uh, everyone to see. She, was she mad at you for some reason? No, she thought it was fucking hilarious. Uh, And it was later. Yeah, later. Later it was. Man. Look, (laughs) traveling is hard, okay? It's It's just hard. You don't drink enough water. You don't think about what what should be viewed, what wouldn't be viewed. You don't take your vitamins and your probiotics. Um, So send those in. Yeah. Let's be vulnerable. We want all of it. Please be vulnerable. We do it for you. We do. Do it for us. My favorite murder at Gmail. And stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis, you want a cookie? Ah.